Good morning. Um, my name's Ariana, and the scripture today is from Psalm 6. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart me from all you, works of, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ Central. Thank you, Ariana, for reading that word to us. Just want to let you know that um, our pastor, uh, Howard Brown, is not here this weekend because he had to uh, celebrate the life of his uncle, who recently passed away. So he's upstate uh, with his family, uh, some extended family members. Of course, the rest of his family's here. Uh, but I ask that you would keep him and his whole family in your prayers. And you know, even as I mentioned that, you know, I know that Christmas is here. First of all, Merry Christmas. And um, I know that many of us have received gifts, and a lot of us have the gift of debt waiting for us on the other side in 2020. Um, we also, I think we're all painfully aware that during this season when we're supposed to experience a lot of joy and a lot of wonder, which we do, thank God for that, that we're also a lot more aware of brokenness. I can't tell you how many times that as a pastor and just as a human being, I become overwhelmed around this time of year with reports and phone calls and things in my own life around loss and loneliness and suffering and death. And it just seems like, wait, I thought this was the most wonderful time of the year. Why are we going through all this stuff now? Aren't, shouldn't this be a time of, of celebration, a time in which we embrace one another and are happy and can enjoy ourselves? And yes, we do get to do that. But there's so much that we're carrying at the end of the year when Christmas comes around. So many burdens, not just the ones that we carry, but the ones in people in, around us, strangers in our communities. I mean, we're a lot more aware of homelessness and we're a lot more aware of some of the, the crimes that are happening in our neighborhoods and uh, small children who are without families and we're aware of our own family struggles around Christmas time. Before I get into sermon this morning, I just want to take a minute in prayer, if that's all right. Do you guys please bow your heads with me? Glory to your name, Father. Glory to your name. For you, the one who has not forgotten us, it seems that many times that our life 
is so short. And indeed it is. For your word says that our lives are like the flowers of the field. But yet your word stands forever. And your word has come to us this Christmas, telling us that Christ the Savior is born. For God, we sometimes look at our lives, even now we realize that we may have been born just to die. So many promises and hopes that we have for ourselves and for our family members, we have relatives who were with us in childhood and as they got older were taken by addictions and by all kinds of mess, Lord, and our families are fragmented and we look around and we wonder why. Why, Lord? Were we born just to die? And yet Jesus was born to die, to go to the cross, that we could have eternal life. He suffered even more than we could ever suffer in this world, God. And so we lift our burdens up to him and to you asking that you would renew within us the life that you have promised by your spirit, the same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead. We pray that you would restore our hope. Hear the cries of our heart this morning as even your word has encouraged us to do. Come near to us, Father. Deliver us. Deliver us. We cry out to you. We lament, Father. We bring our burdens to you. We want to be authentic in your presence, to admit our weakness, Lord, that we can know your strength. For even the Apostle Paul said, I strive to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Bring us closer, draw us nearer to that blessed cross, to the one where our Savior died. He rose again for us to give us new hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Mental health is a serious issue. That's why I went there this morning because a lot of us are struggling with some stuff and we're not getting it out. We're not sharing it. When we do, we're confused about it. And we don't know exactly where to go, how to, how to verbalize it. And sometimes we can't. Sometimes all we have is some groanings. And as we've heard two Sundays almost in a row now, sometimes we have groanings that are too deep for words. And the hope that, that we heard is that, yes, that God has given us the spirit who is able to interpret those groanings and bring them to the throne of God. And the spirit brings them before the, the face of the father. He's able to interpret those things to him and then they come back to us. But mental health is real. Right? It, it's worth all the time and energy that we put into research and treatment. And in other words, we don't need to look any further than this past year to know that mental health is a serious deal. I mean, some of us forgot, I know I almost forgot that there were actually school shootings this year, right? I mean, this, 
we look on the national stage and we're just like, man, this, something has to be done. There are not enough resources out there to really take care of all the different ways in which we struggle emotionally and spiritually and physiologically. We can no longer afford to ignore our mental health issues and think that emotional resilience is just something that's just going to come naturally over time. Because it doesn't. Right? Some people say, you know what? Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You ever hear that? If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Scripture tells us that it is God who is at work within us that makes those things that don't kill us to help us become stronger. It is not just the circumstances, right? Some people suffer and they don't recover. Some of us right now have wounds that we have experienced even during this time of year. We think back over some of the Christmases that we've gone through in our lives. There were wounds, things that haven't been dealt with, and we're still carrying it, or we're still expressing what those, those wounds in ways. We don't know where it's coming from. Why am I acting this way? Why am I so touchy when somebody says a certain thing or when I see certain things around this time of year? Why am I acting this way? I don't know. There's something happening under the surface. We don't have a language. We don't really know how to deal with what's going on in our hearts. When you read Scripture, you'll see that, there, that Scripture is not naive about mental health. It's not naive about the comfort that we need. See, because of cultural norms and the, the, the false conceptions of what it means to really prosper as a Christian, people in the church who struggle with troubling emotions often do so in silence and in isolation. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We sing silent night. Yeah, that's not always a good thing, right? I need to be heard. Where does my voice go? And who will respond to me? Who will listen? And the psalm that we just heard, it, it challenges us to be what some of my, our, our friends at a, a church in, in Queens called, it challenges us to be an emotionally healthy church. And this ought to be the, the first place, the church ought to be the first place that, that people who are burdened by troubling emotions can admit their need and find shelter. Amen? And the, the old preachers used to say that there are three kinds of people in the room this morning. Those who are in the storm, those who have just come out of the storm, and those who are about to go through. Right? Which one are you this morning? And, and there, there will be times when we bounce back from our troubles, and, and, and there are many times when we face deep disappointment and depression, and we can't bounce back because it just takes hold of us, and it keeps us down. And when we're in those times, we need to know that we can grieve with hope. We need to know that there's comfort for us. And this, the scriptures are not clueless about the emotional trials that come with living in this heartbroken world. The sixth psalm, it gives us help. We're reminded that during, not after, but during times of trial, we can be comforted by God's devotion to us. 
the psalmist here, as you look. You see that this, this songwriter, that he's in despair. His, he says that his enemies are claiming that God has abandoned him. Is that how we feel sometimes? God, where are you? Did God just leave me behind? Did I do something wrong? Did I get the grace thing off or something like that? Or what, did I, what did I ever do to deserve this, right? But at some point, God reassures this songwriter, this psalmist, of his love. And when he does that, he's restored. And God wants to restore you this morning. The psalmist experiences God devotion, God's devotion to him as, as he's reminded that God does two things. God does a lot of things, but two things in particular here. God hears our prayers, and God will overcome the world. God hears you this morning, and he will overcome the world. How do we know that God heard this psalmist, who we're told is Israel's king, David? Look again at verse 8. It says, depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. So the psalmist confesses that God has heard me, right? Something has happened. I've been, and, and the restoration begins to come. Now, we're, we're never told what caused David's depression, right? It, but we do know that God answered him. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's good to, you know, when you don't have all the answers right there in the text. Why? Because then it's easier for you to put yourself right there in the song. So we may not know the reason why David was depressed, but just put in your own reasons and begin to walk along with David as you hear this song. Now this, now this psalm alone, and what David has confessed here, that, that Lord, the Lord accepts my prayer and he hears my plea, that, that could give us a psychological lift in and of itself. I mean, it could be inspiring if that's all that we had. But there's more to it. Because if the Hebrew scriptures are the inspired word of God, and by the way, they are, David expected this song to shape the prayers of his people. That as they heard this, it, it would begin to shape their thinking and shape the way that they related to God as it, as it became something that they memorized and it began to change the, the, their thought life and begin to change their hearts and shape there are prayers. And if this is the inspired word of God, then God intends, he authorizes us to believe that he will answer our cries of despair. This is from God's word. By his authority, he says to you and I, you can cry out to me in the, from the darkest places and know that I will answer you. It's in his word. So some of us are comfortable with, with crying. I mean, Pastor Derek just talked about crying, men's retreat, and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, some of us are comfortable with crying, and, and, and we don't like it, and we're just ready to move on and be done with it, right? We want, we want to get through our issue, get through our problem. 
Somebody just come and fix this real quick. I don't want to have to shed tears on this thing and, 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 and sit here and, you know, the scripture's talking about, you know, all night long I was crying and wet my pillow. I don't want a wet pillow. I want to dry. Okay, now I just, and I want to just get out of the bed and feel good about things. But not so fast. Because the scriptures want us to notice something here. Notice how most of the psalm dwells on our need. Right? It stays there. While dedicating less words to the songwriter's relief. Right? And if you look at it, it's about 70%. So maybe like the first seven verses there are like all about the need. And the last three maybe on the resolve, on the resolution. And there's a certain character to this lament. Look at how honest and deliberate it is. Sometimes the pain of depression is so bad. You feel like God has just left you in the dust. If he loves me and sees what I'm going through, then why is he dragging this out? Why won't he just bring a solution right now? I know you have the power, God. After all, you rose Jesus from the dead. After all, you created everything that exists with a word. So you can bring me out quick. Make it happen, Father. Come on. Because I'm drowning in anguish. And I feel like I'm going to die. How long, oh Lord? How long, the psalmist says. So David here, he he's expresses his bewilderment and his frustration. But yet he does it with reverence. Look again at verse 5. He says, for in death. In other words, if I die, right, for in death, there is no remembrance of you. And Sheol, who will give you praise? Right? Who's, who's going to give you praise if I go down to the grave? Never to come back. Never to see the light of day anymore. See, David here, what he's confessing, he's, he's saying, God, you created me to serve you with this life. And that's what I want to do. But he doesn't just say, heal me so that I can get back to doing my life, you know, just getting back to my plan and doing whatever. Just give me your favor, God, and I can just go on and do what I want. Right? What he confesses is a longing to bless God with his life. Just as Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? On earth as it is in heaven. So what David is expressing here is kingdom-centered lamenting. It's not, it's not just about him, but it's, it's, about, it's about God's rule over him and over the world through him, through his spheres of influence and so on. God encourages us to pray honestly and with purpose and with perseverance. To not stop, but to keep coming to him. David said, have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. And from this, you kind of you get the idea that David's been suffering for a long time. 
right? And, it, you know, just <laughs> over the, you know, the holiday, my brother-in-law was in town, and he's, you know, he's a pretty fit guy. And um, one morning, you know, I think it was like right before Christmas Day or something like that, he's like, let's go to the gym. I'm thinking, let's not, and say we did. Uh, <laughs> and, and um, you know, so I'm like, I get on the treadmill and do my thing, and I'm like, okay, and I'm throwing in some stuff, and I'm listening to, you know, Jesus is born, because I was just releasing all that stuff. So, okay, so this was after Christmas, and, uh, you know, and I'm going, listening to some, uh, some Kanye West, you know, Sunday service choir, and uh, some Andy Minio and um, some other folks from Reach Records and stuff like that, you know, just to get my heartbeat going. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, oh, man, this is just like riding a bike. I got right back in the game. But you know what comes next, right? The day after, right, sore all over just from jogging. <laughs> I've been suffering for a long time, <laughs> okay? But, you know, and you, you just, you just you, but when you go through stuff, when you've been suffering for a while, you become weak, Right? You notice things like my, my muscles are weaker, my soul feels weak. I've been suffering for so long. And sometimes it's not until you get to a place where you have nothing else left and you realize just how weak you are and you cry out for help. And David does that. He says, compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. I've been going through this for a long time. My marriage hasn't been right for a long time. This, my struggle with sin hasn't been right for a long time. My broken heart hasn't been right for a long time. If the church is going to be a house of healing, then we need to realize that some of us, have been suffering for a while. Can we be patient with one another? That's the question. Can we stick with one another? As we lift our prayers to God, as we say, we realize, okay, he, he wants to hear us and he bids us to come. Can I also experience God's restore, restorative, active listening care through my brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I expect it through you? Will you be patient with me? Especially if I've been suffering for a long time. You know, some people you're like, man, how many times are they going to bring that up? Until there's healing. And that healing may not come for a while. Can you walk with them through it? We won't be patient with each other if we ourselves do not learn how to go to God with our own anguish. If we don't know how to go to God with our stuff, then how do we expect to be there in the midst of other people's stuff? We have to learn how to lean on the Lord. Right? I mean, there, there are some times like, you know, many of you parents in a room, you know this. But like you, you, you come home for just a, a hard day at, at work or doing whatever, and maybe, you, you know, if you're, you have a kid or a couple of kids and they're smaller and they just, they're just running around the house and yelling and stuff like that, and then, 
you know, then they finally come up to you and start tugging on you and stuff like that. And you're like, what is it now? Like, please don't just, just go someplace else right now. I kind of had such a terrible day. But many, and many of us, some of you don't, don't have kids, but you have roommates and you have, you have parents that do that to you also, right? I mean, <laughs> right? And I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. But, but as, as we receive help from one another, as we receive help from one another, I'm telling you that during those moments, we come to know, to actually feel that there is a God who has heard our prayers and that he has not abandoned us. It's a call for us to care for one another as we suffer. And as we do that, and as we receive that care through one another and we're reminded that God hears our prayers, then we can grieve with hope, knowing that God himself is devoted to us. But we will also be comforted as we see that God is committed to overcoming the world. That's his commitment to us. Remember, he said it in his word. Now, when he says, when we say that, that God has come to overcome the world, and by the world, we're not just talking about, hey, you know, God is going to change a wine and daffodils and waterfalls, and, right? Because we do know that God plans to redeem all that he has made. But we also know that when God comes to change the world, that he will also bring down the structures and the schemes and the hopes of the wicked among men and angels. And this is good news for us. And I'll tell you why. Because if you look here at the liner notes, it's not here on the, on the screen, but if you look in your Bible, you see the liner notes. And you're, many of you, you're familiar with liner notes. If you've had vinyl, which has made a comeback, or if you remember CDs, which are not, probably not going to make a comeback. But, you know, and, and, the, and the, the jacket, right, there, there are the liner notes in there and the lyrics and all that kind of stuff. The liner notes of this song tells us, as we already said, that this was a psalm that was written by David. And David is the king of Israel. He rules over a people in a time in which you could be easily taken over or conquered by another kingdom. And so the last thing that you would do as a king of a nation surrounded by jealous rulers and authority is to air out your laundry in public. You don't tell people how weak you are. Men, right? That's, we don't tell people how weak we are. There's too much shame with that. Right? If, if you're a king, that's the last thing you're going to do. A king that feels abandoned by his God who's supposed to protect his nation and protect him and secure his reign. A king that feels abandoned by his own God has now become vulnerable. See, the other kingdoms can look now and say, oh, that, okay, yeah, see, his, his God has left him. Now we can just come in and take over. He has no protection, right? It's, it's like in the, the sci-fi movies with the, the Death Star or something. When the force field is down, that's it. We're going in, boom, right? This is what, you know, so David confesses this stuff, and it's like the bomb could drop. Another an enemy, an, a nation could come in and take over. And yet David, who's the king, confesses his tears. He talks about it. He's very open about it. But he says here that the culture of his day 
made him feel ashamed for being depressed. Does that sound familiar? I mean, this brother was hurting, right? I mean, it, and there was a system in place to kick him while he was down. And our society, as we know, tends to exalt the extroverted, adventurous, risk-taking, strategic, shrewd, all-knowing, self-made man. Thank you very much. And some of us are in despair because we can't keep up with the ideal of that kind of person. Or we realize that from the day that we were born, we were destined to lose that game. There's no way we could win. And our society has a culture that crushes us under shame rather than to help us flourish and rise with everyone else. An untold amount of our neighbors have turned to heroin and meth and pornography and workaholism and all other kinds of self-medicating simply because our culture has made them feel ashamed of their shortcomings. We need God to overcome this world. We need God to overcome the enemies of those who mourn. Somehow David was reminded that this is actually God's will for the world, that he does intend to overcome, and he will surely do it. And this released him as it should release us as we take it into our hearts to grieve over our world, but with hope and take comfort. And as God's representative ruler over his people, David's song would have the authority, as I said earlier, to shape a culture, right? To shape the hearts of the people, but it had the authority to, to make a culture of hope and humility. And I ask you today, could, could Charlotte become a place like that? Could our city, not, okay, forget all of Charlotte. How about just God's people? How about God's people in Charlotte? Can God's people all around become such a city within a city? A city full of hope and humility. One that is not afraid to be vulnerable, but to put their trust in the living God who has promised to hear our prayers and to overcome the world. And we know Jesus, and Jesus is the greater son of David, the one who came in his lineage, the one who is the rightful king of kings, and he is the one who left his holy dwelling to be put to shame for the wrongdoing of all who participate in the culture of shaming. The one who was taunted for his weakness in daring to live and die for sinners, in daring to live and die for those who, who, who hurt others in response to our pain and our depression and our failure. When he returns to make all that is sad untrue, we who trust in him will not be abandoned because of our weakness, but through it become the object of God's devoted love because his grace for us is strong. It is mighty to save. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit 
the entire world. Therefore, we can stop hiding our pain, but arise and go to our Savior. We can grieve and hope. For even if that grief should consume you, you will be delivered into the hands of the one who was nailed straight through to bring you home to God and to comfort you and to keep you now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the comfort that you bring to us. I ask now, Lord, that you would come closer to us. Your word says that if we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. And you know that the steps that we take are very small. Some of us are stumbling toward you, but you are able to catch us to hold us, to comfort us, and to keep us. We pray, Father, that as you hold us, that you would shape our hearts to be the kind of people who are liberated to pray to you, to pray our pain to you, to lift it up to you, and to trust that you will provide others who know you and who are walking beside you to walk by our side. And Lord, that if that would happen, we would know that there is a God in heaven who hears our prayers. We ask for your deliverance now, Lord, that you'd help us as we move through this Christmas season into a brand new year. We don't know what's ahead of us in 2020. Some of us thought that 2019 was going to be the best year yet. And <laughs> but we know one thing, God. You didn't leave us, and you would not leave us in 2020. And there are things that we look ahead and we anticipate, Lord, and for our lives, and not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, even for this country. And it fills us with anxiety. But you say that we are worth more to you than the flowers of the field that we can cast all our anxieties at your feet and to take heart for you have overcome the world. Be our captain, be our king, be our savior now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.